This is Thrive Perspectives, an ever-growing discussion about the issues and ideas that shape our lives with your guide, Dr. Matthew Jacoby. Morning, Matt. Good morning, Connell. Back in the studio, Thrive Perspectives, mm-hmm. Christian Worldview, Connell. Sure. Thanks, thanks for the coffee, although it was a long wait this morning. I it heard. was, it was. I don't know what was going on there. Coffee machine was breaking down or something, but 25 minutes to get a coffee. I think, we, I think we've been going long enough now. We should actually have our own barista and coffee mm. machine in the studio. <laughs> uh, what do you think, Matt? Sounds good. Yeah, you'd be there, wouldn't you? You'd yeah. be here early every That's time. Right. Yeah. <laughs> we wouldn't have to ring you up and remind you. You'd That's be, right. You'd be here for his coffee. Yeah. Well, morning listeners, great to have you back with us. We're going to continue our conversation uh, on Thrive Perspectives around Christian worldview. And uh, last week, uh, we had a, a, a really challenging but interesting mm. conversation as we r- visited sort of thoughts and philosophy of collective responsibility, mm. community responsibility for, or collective responsibility for uh, the brokenness of human, mm. of humankind, really, yep. and yep. and the fact that it's it's very easy for us perhaps sometimes to separate ourselves out and look mm. at others and judge their behavior in the present and in the past, when in fact we all have the propensity and, and the the nature in us, unfortunately, as broken people, to to be as bad as each other, and mm. uh, you know, we we did look at particularly the history of our nation. We looked at um, some of the the atrocities that happened at the, at the beginning of our history as a as a as a nation. But we again, that was just an example. These things have happened all around the world, and it's not just about. It's not just about that stuff. It's about our everyday life as well. It's about how we look at other people, how we judge other people, and um, and and how we need to be reminded constantly that we all have the propensity uh, to behave poorly and and to to not treat each other as we should. That's right. Yeah, the key point really here is an attitudinal one. Mm. You know, th- there is something that bothers me in the way often that these issues are. Uh, are spoken about, or and, and in particular the attitude that I think we can easily take, and I've I've discovered this in myself, and so this is this conversation's coming from an element of self discovery and an effort to move towards what I believe is a Christian attitude, Christian approach to Christ minded approach. Let's put it that way mm. to things like this, and you know there are lots of different issues, and we we talked about the you know the indigenous issues, but you know I talked about. You know, even issues in my own family line with my, yeah. you know, uh, German background, and you know, today I think we'll move away from specific issues, issues and, and and talk about this in generally, perhaps, you know, with you know, we we can use examples, but the illustration that I used, and this is probably a good place to start, is that I feel that in our society um, we tend to envisage ourselves as like an audience in a stadium. Events of the world, past and present, are being played, you know, played out on the field, and 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 of course, it's a, it is a little bit like that because we watch these things on our TV screens, and we watch the documentaries, and we, you know, we we see all the terrible things that people have done down through history, and one of the problems is that we can envisage ourselves as like the people in the grandstands, and on the field are good guys and bad guys, and you know, we boo the bad guys and we cheer the good guys, and if we boo the bad guys and cheer the good guys, then we think, well, we're the good guys, right? Because yeah. uh, being a good guy means that you boo the bad guys and cheer, sorry, yeah, boo, boo the, the bad, bad guys, guys and cheer the good guys. Yeah. Got to get that mm. the right way around. Mm. And I feel that in our, particularly in our culture, that, that it's a little bit like that. Everyone has strong <laughs> opinions about, 
you know, what's happened in the past and boo, you know, that's those terrible people, but you know, they're horrible. And, and, and so, you know, there, there are the perpetrators of evil and then there, there are, you know, victims and, and, and that's no doubt the case that yeah, there, yeah, there are, totally. you know, the, the great evils have been done mm. and uh, people have suffered terribly from great evils. Mm. That is the story of human history. So it's, we don't want to diminish that in any way no. whatsoever. Yeah. The problem with that picture is that the way that we set ourselves off from that situation, um, that we're somehow separate to that. I think that is the attitudinal issue that, that we want to deal with because I don't, because that's not really constructive and it's certainly mm. not consistent with a Christian worldview because in a Christian worldview, we all share in this common human condition this what I described as a kind of God complex. Mm. You know, we to to some extent we have this compulsion within us to, you know, independence and autonomy. And even as Christians, mm. we still, you know, we 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 have by the by the power of the Holy Spirit, you know, we have we have power over that, but it's still within us, you know, so that we still need to put to death the sinful nature and mm. and we need to live by the Spirit. And a superiority complex. Yeah, well. and that you know, and that goes with that. God that's complex, right. And yeah. so that expresses itself in a superiority complex because, mm. you know, uh, part of that is that we have this propensity to want to build our own identity and we do that in comparison to others. And I'm, and so that's where you get your superiority mm. complex. Yeah. And this is, you know, th- this is so much the story of human history is one group against another and, and, uh, and, and it's the, the fragmentation of humanity happened because of the broken relationship with God. Mm. And so, so there's something, something has been, imbued into human nature mm. that sets us against one another well, in it's, it's at not a even fundamental just history, level though Matt. like it's it's really it's the culture of today i mean you look at it everybody seems to be dividing up between the good guys and the bad guys yeah. if you look pick, pick, pick every group in society whether you're talking about in indigenous or you're talking about um, sexual orientations, or you're talking about males versus females, or you're talking about the boomers versus the millennials, mm. you know, the, and it just goes on. And or the on left and, or, and the, the right and, and the politics. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And everybody wants to sort of divide themselves into what we see us, we see ourselves as this is, this is the side of the good guys. And over here's the side yeah. of the, the, the bad guys. Mm. And it's like we're trying to identify. Everybody wants to identify with with one of those. That's right. We always think our side's the good guy and the other side's the bad guy. Although although sometimes we might say we're the bad guys and they're the good guys. That happens uh, as well. But, I mean, the problem is with the whole picture is Mm. what what we're saying here. Mm. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to imagine. I think most people generally want to be on the side of the good guys, but it also does apply equally to to those. I think, I mean, why would you identify with the side of the bad guys? But I think some people do get reach a point in life where they see themselves as a bad guy and beyond yeah. hope. I think maybe you're referring to historically we can look back and go, well, we were probably the bad oh, yeah, guys. Yeah, you yeah. know, looking at yeah, your yeah, context yeah. in you terms mean, of yeah. you know, yeah. the Second World War yeah, and German yeah. or, or yeah. So and you could that, be self right. self loathing yes. yeah. or condemning your, your that's living right. with that combination. Yeah, yeah I heard yeah. someone say recently a social commentator describe our society as a society of self loathing. Yeah. And and I think that's problematic too, yeah. you know, because we talked a little bit about that recognition that we all share in this common human nature, mm. but self-loathing isn't the answer to that either. No, no. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so even even identifying with, with the bad guys and 
you know, there's, there's a, there can be a wrong approach to that even yeah. as well. Yeah. Well, there's a problem there with even the word, because we use the word identify. I mean, we hear that all the time anyway, mm. you know, culture anyway. <clears throat> but, you know, everyone identifies with something. And so I think what we, when you end up doing is when you identify yourself with certain issues and certain causes and certain sides of the argument, it actually becomes your identity. Mm. So being right and defending the rightness of the, your position mm-hmm. becomes almost an attack on your identity, irrespective of what, what side of the fence you're on. I'm not talking about identity, mm. yeah. necessarily identity politics, but yeah. I'm talking about we, we want to create our identity on being part of the good guys. Mm. And in doing so, we're actually kind of inoculating ourselves against of the bad guys. Of the bad guys being yeah. one of the bad guys. And, and sometimes if, if we if we are on the side of the bad guys, and this is I guess my experience from my from my German background, there's a tendency in my generation, and I know this uh, I, I you know, I felt this a little bit in, in sort of discussions with uh, other people with, with the a similar background, is that there is this tendency to to say, yes, we're the bad guys, but in an unhealthy way, in a sense, um, condemns what uh, what was done, but but condemns that former generation. You know, it's like we we mm. we. So, in a sense, we Wasn't make me. ourselves yeah, yeah that, that we make atonement mm. mm-hmm. in a sense by agreeing sort of condemning, that yeah, ag- yeah. agreeing that they were bad. Oh yeah. yes, yes, we've yeah. done. And so, if even if there's a sense of identification with you know with this group of people. There can still inside that be this almost this attempt at atonement mm. by sort of cutting off that former generation and 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 again there's a problem with that because the, the assumption is that well if I lived back then with the same cultural conditioning the yeah. same uh, upbringing the same you know everything then yeah. well I would not have I would never have you know, uh, joined the uh, you know joined Hitler's army in 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 the nineteen thirties, and mm-hmm. and I would never have grabbed hold of the promise of of you know getting land in occupied mm. territories and and all all of the, all of the incentives that mm-hmm. my own uh, you know own forebears were offered and took you know, mm-hmm. and so my attitude could be oh they're ter- you know they're, they're terrible and sort of almost take on that um, that self loathing attitude, but that easily can become become a deflective thing because you you just end up condemning yeah. your own forebears it's the same know. thing really is trying yeah. to identify with the good guy you can be one of the bad guys but yeah if you identify yeah. you so can, i make atonement by self-loathing in, to, in a to sense make your, you know I mean? to yeah. make yourself one of yeah. the good guys again yeah. in a way right. that, that you can means that you can point the finger back at those that you would consider to be yeah, yeah. the bad guys. And that's really the position that it takes you into is that you end up pointing the finger at people is looking to figure out who to blame or who we're not like, or, you know, we, we put that distance between us, Yeah, whatever we're doing. Yeah. It always ends up in, in the pointing of the finger and the judgment back of condemnation back on other people that we aren't like. That's right. So yeah. we're really building a narrative yeah. around our lives and putting ourselves where we want to put ourselves into the story where it's most convenient and that's right. comfortable for us. Yeah, that's right. And neither are we saying if we identify a certain group of people as as good guys 
by cancelling out the distinction between good guys and bad guys, we're not saying that any group of people warranted what mm. they got. Mm. You know, it's it's not justifying anything because yep. terrible things have been done throughout human history. Mm-hmm. And so the playing field thing is actually is an unfortunate way of thinking and and, I, and I'm just using that metaphor because because I think it does tend to describe you know I've been in stadiums with two teams and and people barracking for their team and but you know what we're wanting to say here and, and we want to move towards well what is the right attitude yeah. towards this that's that's where we're moving here yeah um yeah. Can I just one yep. more thing uh, I, that I think is worth saying and just yep. reflecting back on what you said before, Connell, about we tend to position ourselves with a side and we're not going to be moved from that side, whatever it is, whether it's politics or whether it's a particular aspect of the good guys, bad guys thing. I think the other thing we tend to do is we tend to align ourselves with whoever we think, particularly if it's people oriented, identity oriented, a person or, or people or a political party or a footy team or whatever mm. it might be. And then regardless of what we do, we justify it as good because that's our team mm-hmm. and and mm. rather than being able to separate out behaviors and go actually that's not a good behavior mm. and and instead of writing the whole person off because of that the same thing happens mm. in reverse if you know what i'm saying so i think sometimes particularly these days we and you know this whole identity thing you were talking about before we identify ourselves with a particular group mm. or a particular person or whatever it might be and then we kind of overlook the things that we we start to make things that we probably know deep down that's not such a great thing. We make it okay because otherwise we're mm-hmm. not barracking for the good guy. Mm. Uh, and so it all comes down to we can suddenly justify a whole lot of things. I mean, probably, again, not to point the finger at you, but thinking about Hitler and where he started. And, mm. and it was just there were such a lot of good things he did early on mm. in terms of rebuilding Germany and stuff. And mm. it, it became really easy to overlook Little things because, you know, he was still the good guy, you know, for, yeah. the, for the German nation. Yeah, um, and even looking back, um, it was interesting. I, I listened to uh, a, a documentary, you know, audio documentary on Second World War that looked specifically at the bombing raids on the Allied side mm. and talked about how, you know, this kind of bombing city, fire bombing cities and... and Dresden and places yeah, like that. Yeah, that's right, and, and how... It actually didn't make any, didn't really make much difference. I mean, the the, the consensus uh, amongst the historians is that, you know, maybe it it shifted morale a little bit, or or, but it didn't make that much difference. But the destruction and the death, like the general destruction and death that was wreaked uh, upon these people, uh, was just unthinkable. And you can also think about, you know, the, the bombing of Hiroshima and Nagasaki. You know, the, the nuclear. Bomb. Now, you know, we tend to look back and think, well, that was warranted because it ended the war. It, it, it ended the war because yeah. it ended the war. But like, it doesn't take away from the fact that this was actually a terrible, terrible thing, and mm-hmm. and lots of people suffered from this. And so, you know, that's where we tend to justify the behaviour of who we see as the good guys, Correct. yeah, um, because they're the good guys, and mm-hmm. and that's problematic as well. So. I think it's more constructive to look at the human predicament as this cycle of dysfunctionality, essentially. I mean, we, we are, I mean, that's to even put it lightly, we, we are all actually involved in this at some level. And so it's not, there are not 
good guys and bad guys, but we all ha- share this human nature with this God complex superiority thing that you're building identity, comparing ourselves to one another, wanting me, wanting more recognition than you. And I think to some extent we all mm. share in that, you know, and, and I think it's important that we don't, because we might say that there are some people that, you know, perhaps don't do that and, and that seem perhaps to be the humble and the, but let's not confuse humility with injured pride or, or a broken down pride because mm-hmm. yes, some people are more, more successful. Some people become more powerful and some become powerless. And the Bible recognizes that so the biblical worldview recognizes and it, and it holds the powerful more accountable. Mm-hmm. So that's important in, in, in those situations. Mm. There's no doubt about that. However, that doesn't take away from the fact that the powerful and the powerless still share Mm. in this common human predicament and this corrupted human nature. Mm. And even amongst the powerless, they can even, in their relationships to one another or even their attitudes towards the powerful, Mm. can also go wrong. That can also go wrong as well. Yeah. And that's a tendency we have in society where we well, well we actually view people who are powerless and and people who are genuine victims we do the right thing in terms of getting around you know the victims in society that have ex- experienced real pain and suffering at the hands of people who have done real wrong that they need to be mm. held absolutely accountable for but even there if we look at and talk about that group of people that they also are collectively responsible not for what happened to them, yeah. be mm. clear about that, yeah. mm. but sharing collective responsibility because we're all part of humanity. And, and and that's a place that is really, really difficult for us to go to because yeah. we, we want to get around those who have been, have, have been hurt, as we should, mm. but w- the way that we think about it. It becomes mm. it becomes an unhealthy conversation to say to sort of start pigeonholing people and say they're in that group they're the good guys and these are the bad guys. It, it, it always takes us back into that kind of framework, the victim perpetrator. Type and it, 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 the, the, the biblical worldview is difficult to, to to wrap your head around because it actually says we are all, even those who have been hurt, you know, the most in society, are still collectively. Yeah responsible for humanity, the, yeah. ba- the bad and the evil, the rectal root of the problem is inside us as humanity. That's and, right. And, and that doesn't take away from the evil that was done to them. No. But it, 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 it does still put us all in this same pool that's constantly problematic. You know, we're, we're all part of this. Let, perhaps a biblical example would help yeah, at great. this point. Yeah, great. One of the things that the themes that runs through the teaching of Jesus and, and of course, the background to the ministry of Jesus was the Roman occupation mm. and the tendency of the Jewish people to cast the Romans as the evil people and we're the good people. Mm. And this is something that Jesus addressed again and again, because because the, the, the attitude was we need to you know, kick the, these terrible, evil Romans, these unclean, the great, you know, the unclean Romans. You yeah. know, we need to kick them out of the yeah. out of the land, and and you know, we can have our pristine kingdom. A lot of the teaching within the Sermon on the Mount is designed actually to address the attitude behind that. Yep. Okay, so um, so he's calling for in the Beatitudes, you know, blessed are the poor in spirit, and the and 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 those blessed are those who mourn and blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness you know and in other words 
the idea there is that the blessed is the person that recognizes their own brokenness in in a sense. Mm-hmm. You know, then it's turn the other cheek, and and if someone, you know, if your enemy asks you to go a mile, go two miles, and if he wants to take your cloak, give him your tunic also. Yeah. And so, it's this non-retaliation thing. Mm-hmm. But but Matthew twenty chapter five. Yeah, that's that's in Matthew chapter five, mm. and then. Uh, you know Matthew chapter six, and then the, chapter six is is really about prayer and seeking the kingdom of God. And then you go into chapter seven. Then you've got the you know the teaching about judgment, right? Do not judge, and that's still you know there's a context for this. This isn't this isn't a contextless bit of teaching, and the context was their propensity, of course, to want to separate between the clean and the unclean, like we're God's people. We we are the the righteous in the you know. And 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 you know, the Romans and the people that work for the Romans, they're the evil guys. So for example, the tax collectors are a famous biblical example. They're the evil people. They're evil, particularly evil because they're meant to be on our side, but they've you know, they're serving the bad sides. It's the good guys yeah. and the bad guys. And this is this is where and and there and can I say too, they're were real evils being done. Romans were heavy-handed. Mm. This was they were heavy, heavy-handed. Mm. They invented what is probably the cruelest form of torture and execution, which is crucifixion. They invented that, right? They were a cruel occupiers, and they taxed the people. And if you know, they put down whenever there were uprisings, that thousands and thousands of people were killed, mm. crucified. Lots of evils were being done. That's why in the first part in chapter five, why Jesus is saying, you know, if your enemy strikes you on the cheek, turn the other cheek also. Like, don't retaliate. Now, this is they would have been thinking. But Jesus, you haven't, like, look at what we're suffering here. Like, we Mm -hmm. are suffering under this very powerful, we are the powerless, you know, Mm -hmm. under this powerful empire that are doing these terrible things to us. You know, every day people are walking past crosses with you know, with people who are trying to rebel against these evil people, you know, they were the ones that were often crucified, right? So this is where he comes in with his teaching. If you judge another person, it's like you're trying to remove the speck from someone's eye, the bit of sawdust from someone's eye when you've got a plank in your own eye. Mm -hmm. And the importance of that is the, the relationship between the speck of dust, the sawdust and the plank, right? The speck of sawdust comes from the plank. That's where the, yeah, yeah. You know, so there's a relationship between those two. So we, we, you know, we all, we all have the plank. The plank is the, is, is that, you know, you could say perhaps, and, and you, you don't want to stretch that metaphor too far, but I think it's safe to say that he's saying in a sense, we've all got the plank yeah. and the, the, the speck of dust kind of comes off the plank, right? It's also <laughs> uh, a lot you know. smaller than the plank. Yeah, this too is what I read into it yeah, as well. You know, take the log or the plank, and the speck is is tiny compared to the yeah, size right. of the plank that's in your eye. Yeah, I mean, Jesus didn't need to even. He was making a point with that because he could have just said, "Look, just don't judge people," but he actually gave the context for that in yeah. in, in identifying the log, yeah, and taking the plank out and the and the the speck. He's really saying there, you, it's hard to judge other people because as much as you're judging them. For the spec, you have the log in your. Yeah. Right. He's he's clearly saying there that you, the spec in, comes from the log, and, and you have no, you have the log, That's and you're right. in no position, <laughs> yeah, actually to to set yourself apart, yeah, from the person that totally lines up with yeah. collective responsibility because it that that puts the framework in in terms of how do we judge? I don't think I don't think we're not meant to judge. 
or at least discern and hold people to account for wrongdoing. In that sense, yeah. In that sense. But it is an attitudinal thing, as you say. I guess if we're going to um, hold people to account, we do it with an attitude of knowing that we're not necessarily different that's right. So, so let's go. Let's just drill into what you just said then, because yep. I think it's important to recognize also what Jesus isn't saying by that. Yep. Now, okay, just to clarify, what he is saying is that we all share this this fun. This, the big issue, right, is that the the plank or the log yep. is this fundamental sinfulness of human nature, right? We all yep. we all carry that to some extent, and that is the cause of the evils in the world. Now, uh, you know it. It manifests in different ways in different situations, and 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 that's the that's the kind of specks off the log. But but the you know the the, the log the root cause sits in uh, in human nature, and so that's why he say he what he's saying is that we can't set ourselves off mm. from those whom whose behaviour we might object to. It doesn't take away from the fact that their behaviour is objectionable. Mm. So, yes, it is indeed evil. It's not diminishing the fact that people do evil things. Mm. The problem is when we set ourselves off from that as though we're not, we don't share in the fundamental problem, right? Now, you know, it might manifest differently. The problem Mm. or the sort of the fruit that comes from that root problem might be different for us than it it Uh is for them. But, uh, you know... We, we can't set ourselves off from. So, so that's what he is saying. What he's not saying is that we can't therefore hold each other accountable mm-hmm. or, or that we can't seek some redress for evil. Or, you know, and, and he's, he's certainly not saying that there can't be civil judgment, you know, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. S- civil judges, because, uh, you know, the law of Moses uh, put that in place, put, put that in place, that yeah. there would be just, mm-hmm. you know, just judgment, Con- that there would be justice in the mm-hmm. land. And yeah. so. It's and, and even today, you know, we have um, we have situations. I mean, we have courts and and we have justice systems, mm-hmm. and that's good. Like they should be, and we don't want, you know, we want in a sense people to, in some sense, get their just desserts. But even that is problematic in the sense that they no one ultimately gets what's coming to them for for the for the real core sort of issue. But they will at the end of time. Yeah, that's right. There is there remains a great day of judgment in the future, and that's when final justice is done. So, in in any case, final justice is never really ever realised in in this in this life. However, Jesus isn't saying that that there can't be sort of civil you know civil justice in that sense. He's not even saying that we can't hold each other accountable. In yeah. fact. Both in the community that is envisaged in the Mosaic law, there was to be a mutual accountability. Uh, also in the early church, there was mutual accountability. Mm-hmm. Um, Paul sounds quite harsh sometimes when he says, talks about how if you know someone yeah. persists, for example, in uh, immorality mm-hmm. in the community. He says you need to deal with that in the community because mm. it's you, there's you've got to lean into collective accountability to but, one another, but with the goal of restoration. With, yes, with the goal of restoration. That's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So, but that doesn't contradict the not judging. That's that's yep. actually this sense we all we all because we all share this common problem. We need to create a community where we can be accountable to one mm. another, mm. Um, and that includes being accountable for not. Taking on a judgmental attitude now, just yep. because I, if you know, if I hold you accountable, if you, you know, let's say in our church and you treat someone deplorably or rip someone off, or yeah. I, I have not that you have. <laughs> I've already apolo- yeah. apologised. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
part of being in a Christian community is that there's an understanding that I can come to you and say, hey, man, that's that's not like that's just yeah. not right. And I, and I re- you know, because it threatens the whole community and it threatens mm. the fabric of our of our community. And and so it doesn't take away from mutual, mutual accountability. It doesn't mm. take away from recognizing that evil is evil and uh, and that we actually need to do all we can to alleviate suffering mm. and to diminish the evils that are done. We want to create a society mm. uh, that that doesn't involve those things mm. as much as we can. We, you know, that we, we want to curb the evils of human nature. Yep. And so, so he's, he's not, he's not taking away from any of those sorts of things. No. He's dealing with it, the attitudinal thing. It's attitude. If you're going to, even the word judgment, if you just think of it as, <clears throat> as, as, as holding to account or discernment or, or well, discerning between good and evil, well, we, we have to be able to do that. Mm. We wouldn't be able to function as society if we couldn't do those That's things. Right. But, the point there in the, the context of judgment there is it's an attitudinal thing. Standing as yeah. judge over someone almost implies that we're set apart, setting ourselves apart from that person as if we're yeah. so some as if we're at some sort of higher standard than what they are. Yeah. If we're going to hold people to account and we're going to seek justice and restitution, we do it with a different attitude than that of a judge. Yeah. It, we we do it as as if we're not better or higher or more moral or, or with any less responsibility for for the you know that collective mm. sin that we we just keep hurting. That's what we do as humans. We just keep hurting each other. So I'm not placing myself above anyone mm. that I want to condemn. We hold people to account as people will should hold me yeah. to account as well. We're yeah. all at functioning at the same level, so yeah. it is it is attitude because a lot of people will will hear this, and I, I've wrestled with it myself. And looking at collective responsibility is, well, does it mean then? Could it mean that we don't hold people to account because we're all collectively responsible? It's a human problem. Mm. It's oh well. So now I actually absolve myself of personal responsibility because. I, yeah. I just shrug my shoulders and say, well, I'm human, we're all as bad as each other, and it, it kind of makes it sound like yeah. as, as if oh, the bad guys aren't really that bad, and the people who have been hurt or the victims of mm. the of the pain that we cause, mm. you know, they just sort of need to get over it because mm. they're bad mm. too. You could hear it as being, a, it kind of diminishes that. Yeah. Like, and it shouldn't diminish that no, because because evil is evil and it's terrible. It's yeah. such pain and suffering that has been caused throughout throughout history. And in no way do we want to take away from that. In fact, we want to do the opposite. We want to create a situation where that happens less, right? That's because it's so bad. We don't want these things to happen again. We don't want the Second World War situation happening. We don't want that. We don't want the sort of racial atrocities and you know the colonialization mm-hmm. of this yeah. uh, country. We this is where the attitudinal thing is important, because what is it going to take for that sort of thing to not happen again? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it takes something transformative within us to mm-hmm. happen. And what I'm suggesting, and this was this is what I think is so powerful about the New Testament teaching around this is that it takes this inner transformation where we recognize that in me, you know what I mean? Mm. That when I am confronted by evil, it's not to diminish that it is a great evil, but there is a sense in which I'm looking in the mirror that the root cause, even though I may not have done that thing, but the root cause is actually in me as well, that, Mm -hmm. that I share the same nature. And by recognizing that, 
I can actually gain. It's through the recognition, the the admission of that. I share that, right? Mm-hmm. That allows not only reconciliation with God, we receive grace from God, but having received grace from God, we put ourselves in that sort of grace zone in a sense because we are then compelled, at least we should be compelled, then to show grace to other people mm-hmm. and not judge other people. Yep. Because we recognize, well, I share that same issue, but I have been forgiven. I have received grace from God. So I'm going to choose when I see that in you. I'm not going to diminish that in you, and I might hold you accountable for that, but I'm not going to set myself off from you or think that I'm better or superior to you. I'm going to show grace. And grace is the thing, grace that allows me to recognize that it actually allows me to see through your behavior and to actually to love you. And to love you means that I recognize your fundamental sacred value as a human being. That despite your brokenness and your sin, you are fundamentally, infinitely sacred as a human being and loved by God. And therefore, I will love you too. This is what you see. This is what Jesus models. He was able to see those that were held up as being the most evil. Um, and and the average uh, Jewish person in the first century would have seen, for example, the tax collectors as being amongst the most evil people because many, many people their lives have been ruined by these guys. They, and these were their they own were traitors. In many they, cases, they were their own Jewish. Right? They were traitors. Collecting right? tax for the Romans. And that <clears throat> you know, that was just such a terrible transgression <clears throat> against the community ideals of Jewish people. We <clears throat> stick together, right? <clears throat> and these people not only have they turned against us, but they know because these close knit communities, they know who's earning what, right? <clears throat> and they turn that knowledge to the benefit of the Romans. <clears throat> they sell that knowledge to the Romans and the Romans allow them actually to take a whole lot more over and above what the Romans were mm. taking. And so these these tax collectors, they ruined mm-hmm. family after family, right? So that's what you see Jesus doing in that context is going to these people who are, you know, the worst of the worst in people's eyes and recognizing their infinite sacred, showing them grace. I'm going to show grace. He was leading the way. Um, it's not that he played down the evil that they were doing. And this is interesting what you see in, in the case of one very famous example, Zacchaeus, the mm. tax collector. And he's important because he was an arch tax collector. Right? He was he was the boss of the tax collectors. This guy was particularly yeah. bad. Jesus says, I'm coming to your house, which is already a gesture of, of, reaching, ex- out, yeah. of reaching out, mm. you know, very powerful in that a cultural context to eat, you're having communion with. Mm-hmm. So that already was an expression of grace. You know, he he shows grace to this to this man, and as a result of that experience of grace, he is transformed. Yep. And he says, "I'm going to I'm going to repay. I'm going to give four times back what I've taken." You know, so so there's there's an example of what transformation looks like. Of course, people became very angry about yeah. the way that. I was you just know, going to say, hung out with it's people very like triggering. That. I mean, I've no doubt that people are it triggered listening people then yeah. to what what we're talking about now is triggering. Yeah, you well, know, Matthew. Be- Matthew was a disciple. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, like I mean, he, uh, yeah, that's exactly. I mean, mm. yeah, Matthew, of course, uh, you know, Levi, who, who, mm. who was called yeah. Matthew, uh, was himself a tax collector, and he was one of the twelve disciples. Mm. But you can imagine, uh, and, and in fact, Jesus was criticised for this. You're, mm. you, you're, you, you can't do this. This is the expectation was that he would be in the grandstands, yeah, uh, booing and hissing at yeah. the bad guys. Right? You don't go in. You don't go down into their field and in and into their house and commune with them. You're meant to 
set yourself off from them and uh, and boo and hiss them, yeah. which is what everyone doing. Jesus is saying, no, we don't do that. Mm. And, and he exemplifies really what a redemptive presence looks like. So yeah. this really is the is the core of the Christian response mm. because what we what we're looking to bring is not judgment. We're not authorized to bring judgment, right? Because we all share mm-hmm. the problem. I mean, in the ultimate sense. Yes. Okay. Yes. Remember, of course. Yeah. So what we're called to bring is redemption. You know, we're, we're mediators of the redemption of Christ and the power of redemption. And that means that we model that, right? We model. Uh, so Zacchaeus became a, a locus of redemptive power, right? Because mm-hmm. he, he experienced this, this repentance and this owning that. And, and I think, you know, if we really want to take evil seriously, yep. then we should not be talking, you know, not trying to judge. Judging is not, that just perpetuates the same mm-hmm. thing mm-hmm. because there's no worse kind of superiority than moral superiority, right? Mm-hmm. That's worse than, than any other, according to Jesus, moral superiority is the worst kind of superiority because mm. all yeah. sorts of things yep. you can, that really uh, leads you to playing God, mm-hmm. and, and that yeah. can justify also. And that has, in fact, moral superiority down through history mm. has actually been a very key cause of yep. terrible, terrible atrocities, all under the, you know, the guise of, yeah. of, you know, of that moral superiority. So, so this whole thing of collective responsibility, it is countercultural. It was countercultural back then in mm. Jesus' day. Yep. And it's just as relevant as it is today mm. because it would have triggered people back then. I mean, people would have been shocked at mm. at Jesus's association with with people that we would have thought he shouldn't be associating mm. with. So mm. and he, he you could have probably accused him of diminishing the responsibility of of, of yeah. those and 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 the suffering of mm. those yeah. who were the who were the receiving end of, mm. of that. So you you could you could make those kind of act and I guess that was the act those accusations definitely would have been thrown at Jesus mm. back then, but it was countercultural then, and it's countercultural now. This is really sort of brings us into then, I think, the importance of worldview because it's hard to wrap your head around this beyond like a kind of an abstract concept. You could just look at it and go, "Well, interesting idea that we're all share this collective responsibility," but then how does it actually? What does it mean? What does it mean what, what does it actually yeah. mean to me? But it was obviously a big part of what Jesus wanted to, to teach us. It's a key part of the, the gospel, as you've just gone through and explained there, how Jesus responded to those who were doing mm. sort of evil against us, you know, taking the, some of the worst examples of it and how we're supposed to react to it, yeah. which is really difficult for us to wrap our heads around. But, I mean, Jesus wanted us to forgive quickly, to turn mm. the other cheek, mm. to show grace, have the right attitude in, in terms of discerning and holding people to account. These are the things that he that he he wanted us to get. And I think the important I think the thing with that is they are the tools that actually help us navigate mm. conflict they in, are. in our society and how we we relate to each other. And if we haven't got the Christian worldview, then it is what it looks like in our culture. Mm. The the drawing of the lines between the good guys and the bad guys, and a lot of good things that we do in that you know we get around the victims and we try to hold people to account, but we do it with the wrong attitude mm. and the finger pointing and mm. the, the judgment, the superiority complex, mm. and the, taking the moral high ground. We remove ourselves from the responsibility in terms of. We think we're the good guys and not the mm. bad guys. So we, we it, it actually, as you watch society now, I think 
were going really hard down that path of trying to put things right from the past for injustices and how we treat each other. And I think in our culture, we try to solve that problem. We're dividing up between Mm. the good guys and the bad guys. And we're approaching it with all the wrong attitude. Which will make it worse. Which is making it worse because it seems to be like we're becoming more divided. Everything becomes adversarial. Mm. We haven't got the right tools. The world does not have the right tools to solve these problems. Because grace is the the right tool and grace grace comes through Christ. But it's also not about restoration, which we touched on before. It's actually just about separation. It's about saying, no, you are the the world system is is not about restoration. restoration. Let me, I just want to add a footnote. A couple of times there you use the the word collective responsibility and Mm. I just, I think it's just worth clarifying. Again, uh, lest this be misunderstood. When you talk about that, the point that you're making is, in a sense, collective culpability for the fundamental, the root problem. It doesn't mean that I am personally guilty for the sin, for example, for the sins of my grandfather, let's say, Mm -hmm. as an example. Or or even for the sins of my father, I'm not personally uh, responsible for that. Um, However, I cannot, while I'm not personally guilty for for those sins... Mm. Yet, I do share in the fundamental nature from which those sins came, right? And yep. so, therefore, I am in no position to judge my father or my grandfather. I mean, I'm just using that, yeah, that no, those totally. closer... So, again, it, it's, it's more about attitude than it is who to blame. Yeah. Because That's could, right. Could you read it? At first, you, you, know, you talk about the collective <clears> responsibility. I think, well... It's trying to figure out who to blame. And that's actually what's put on us, I think, from our culture today. Is yeah. That's that's the, the thing is that we're trying to – I'm suffering. Yeah. I'm a victim of something. Or I'm hurting because of this. Who do I blame? Who do I point the finger at? It's more about focused on attitude. Yeah. Because it's the attitude that we need to use to navigate yeah. through these problems. Yeah. And and I think that can look like – so, for example, you know, you're in a conversation. Let's really ground this. You're yeah, in a right. conversation and – you know, people are saying, can't, can, I just can't believe that guy. Can you believe what that mm. guy did? It's like, how could anyone be so callous? Mm. And so, and it, it looks like actually, and I've, you know, I, I remember being in a conversation like that and I started getting drawn into it because mm. <laughs> I felt angry, as angry as, mm. as those other people. And actually, at one point, I actually checked myself and ended up saying, actually, no, I, I can believe that, actually, mm. because I think I can be a bit like that. And, and it was such an awkward, almost, it was slightly awkward because I was, it, it was pushing the conversation in an uncomfortable direction. But it wasn't me saying, oh, you guys in this room, you're all like that. But mm. I, I'm not going to point. I don't think that's the way to model this. Mm-hmm. No. You know, I think the way to bring this perspective into conversations and overall into our culture is, is for us actually to model that, to say, and, and this is the power of confession that, that is, is such a fundamental part of the Christian disposition, is that we can lead out in the recognition of our, it's the coming back to the Ezra principle that I talked about yeah. in the last uh, episode. It's, it's modeling that penitential attitude. And, and it, this is not about us wallowing in guilt and, uh, because penitence, at the same time, there's joy in penitence because it puts us in touch with the grace of God. The more we reckon, you know, where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more, right? Mm. As we recognize the problem, so we appreciate more and celebrate the solution. As I recognize, oh, no, actually, no, I am. I am like that. 
I do see this in myself. Mm. Um, I see this, you know, let's say we're, we're talking about some terrible sort of racist thing that, that's, you know, which, and, and yes, we don't deny it. Racism is a terrible, terrible thing that people would be stigmatized and, and treated unfairly right. simply because of their race. I mean, goodness me, uh, that's a terrible evil. And yet, at the same time, I can look at myself and say, actually, that superiority complex that led to these people doing that, mm. I actually... That's in me. It's, yeah. it's, it's not for me. So I mm. can't... Can I, I just can't believe how callous and how terrible it... No, actually, I do know. Yeah. Because I share in the same core issue. And to bring that perspective into conversations, where we turn a conversation from talking about those evil people out there... And we start to actually recognise. Well, how is this in us? That, that to yeah. me, that's a that's a Christian well, direction for a, for a con- if we're able to look at a conversation in that situation in other people and actually approach it with that attitude. We see things in them that we think, "I'm glad I'm not like that." And then you realise you are like that. Yeah, yeah. That is a really important development of your own awareness. That's self-awareness. Yeah, really. that's yeah. I mean that that what. I guess when you realize yeah. that, now I can actually try to be less like that yeah. and mm. recognize it within myself. And the mm. danger in, I think, all the things we're talking about is that we've got this strong motivation to not do that. Yeah. We don't want to see those things in ourselves that we yeah. see in, in others, so we shut them out. And we don't learn from it. We don't see it. And not being able to see it is, is the big part of the problem. Yeah. If we could just see it within ourselves... The tools that we would have to navigate these situations mm. would be a lot better. I mean, there's like a really trivial example, and I'd, I'd even hesitate to, okay. to, to share it because it's, it trivializes the uh, down. But it, it, to me, it, it, it sort of really highlights a similar mm. thing to what you'd saying before, Matt, you know, mm. about identifying things in other people. Mm. But we all experience road rage, right? So yeah. we're driving in the car and someone cuts, cuts you off. And immediately, I don't know whether you have this problem, but I certainly do. And it doesn't <laughs> doesn't involve uh, any kind of physical gestures or anything. But it's you know, at least in my in my mind, I'm thinking, oh, stupid person, where did he get his license? You got it out of a cereal packet, you know. You know, open your eyes, you idiot. You know, all those things <laughs> yeah, are I all going. You say all of that actually. You know, about it. <laughs> it's all going off in your head, and you do that, and you get a bit further down the road, and I'll cut someone off. And then you, you know, you realise yep. that person's not very happy with you, and you think, oh, you know, give me a break, you know, I, I, it was I a mistake. You, I didn't see you, yeah. you know. Just think about what you've done. You've you've actually done the same thing, but your standard of judgment, you, it's almost is is been completely completely different. Mm-hmm. And when I was responsible for it, I wanted somebody to understand, show me. Yeah. Show me grace. When I was in the other side with the other person who just cut me off, I was full of judgment and scorn yeah. on yeah. their driving yeah. ability. And so it's a really trivial example. But if I hadn't just gone off at someone in my, you know, and judged them mm. for cutting me off, I wouldn't even have been mm. aware of the fact that there was a difference mm. in mm. my in my attitude mm. in terms of how I yeah. see yeah. it. And what, it's a trivial, ex, trivial no, it's example, but it's... I see it all the time then if I translate yep. it into politics, you know, and, and different ideas and, and things and how I view people and how I treat them. I'm always injecting myself into the story, as I said before, where it's most comfortable for me. And when I see myself doing it, I can stop doing it mm. and I can start to go, well, 
there's things are more complicated. Things are, yep. let's show grace. Let's show more forgiveness to people. Mm-hmm. Let's use that as a starting point, as the That's perspective, great. as the worldview that we go to solve a lot of these problems. And that is the worldview that we have as Christians. I think, you know, the last one, I, I think I said, you know, it's a, there's a lens through which yeah. we solve the problems before we even get the politics. Yeah. If we start from that place, through that lens, if we can get that right, I think we have the keys to solve a lot of the problems. But if we don't have that lens, we just end up making that's right. everything worse. And that's what that's why the seemingly trivial examples kind of are important, mm. because it's actually the small things in life that we need to begin to implement this. Let's not just think on grand scales here. Yeah. We actually have the opportunity. You know, when I go home and, and you know, if, if my wife annoys me, I need to recognize, well, you know, actually I can be pretty annoying too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? And so I got to be more gracious and, and I got to take that to the next situation and the next situation yeah. and the next situation. It's the micro moments. It's those trivial, even when you're driving along on the road, I'm just going to smile and, and wave and that's okay. Mm-hmm. You know, because mm-hmm. you know what, uh, you know, I'm a bad driver too. Actually, I'm a terrible driver. So just. I can vouch for that. I might have been you. Yeah. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I think that's good. And I think this is a good place to finish. There's something actually we can do about this. Hmm. It's it's not just big picture stuff. Uh, the the attitudinal thing can be developed actually through practice. You know, we can learn to recognize this habitually by actually practicing this. So the next time you're tempted to get annoyed or angry at someone, and it's, it's okay to get angry because when we get hurt and what it's what you do with your anger that that matters most, and what you harbor in your attitude. And so, you know, I just really in, encourage us and our listeners to recognize opportunities to actually put this in practice. Because I guarantee even today you will have opportunities to practice this, to actually show a little bit of grace. It's constantly shedding these little bits of grace. And and this is what it means for us as Christians to be a redemptive presence in our communities. Right. Well, let's start in our homes. Let's bring that redemptive presence into our homes. Let's because that that grace that we're talking about here can transform relationship our closest relationships, and then we can move out from there. We can bring that into our workplaces, and this is a, a transformative thing. It's not some grand, sudden, big, imposing solution. It's a transformative solution. It will bring such a powerful redemptive presence uh, into our lives into our families into our communities and that is what it means for the seed of the kingdom little seed to grow into something great thanks for joining us for this episode of thrive perspectives our hope is that these discussions will challenge you to look at life from a new perspective you'll find all our resources at the thrive today website thrivetoday.tv there's a topic that you'd like us to discuss, please email us. Our email is contact at thrivetoday.tv. Until next time, our prayer is that you will thrive.